Thanks for tuning into the Central Church Podcast. We exist to introduce people to Jesus and help them follow Him. To learn more about Central, access tons of content, and find the location nearest you, download our Central Church app. But for now, we hope you enjoy this message, and we're so glad you could join us today. What's up, Central family? Nice to see you today. Glad you're here and want to welcome all of our Central locations. Big shout out to Central Summerlin. Grateful for you guys, to our Central Kingman family. We love you down in Kingman. Um, We're grateful for Central Sunrise Mountain, for Central Southern Highlands, for those who are watching online and those joining us in our partnership with God Behind Bars, different prison facilities. Thank you guys for being with us today. Well, hey, we're talking about being simply blessed in our lives, and um, it's an awesome topic, but I was thinking about, you know, we all want to be simply blessed. Like, if I was to ask you, like, like how many of you want to be blessed? You know, everybody would raise their hand, right, except the guy who's asleep. Everybody else is like, I'm in. I want, I want to, even if we don't know what that means, we're like, yeah, if God's doing something, I'll, I'll take it. That's great. You know, I want to be blessed. But the challenge is we often find ourselves not simply blessed, but simply stressed. You know what I'm talking about? Just simply stressed. I don't know where your stress points are. We all have different stress points. One of my stress points is travel. Uh, you know, like when, when I travel, I mean, it just, you know, I, I just, I get so incredibly stressed out. In fact, uh, I, one of the things that cracks me up is what people do when you're traveling. Like, like the people that take their phones and don't put headphones in, but just decide sitting on a plane, they're just gonna listen to their phone on speakerphone and play their music. Any, any of you had this experience with somebody? You've had that? And it's just like, oh my gosh, what are you doing? Like, I don't wanna hear that. I'm sitting right here. You're listening to that. No lie, I was in an airport with Lori a couple weeks ago and uh, she's sitting there and the airport terminal is packed. There are people everywhere, there's no seats. And she goes, hey, let's just watch this on my phone. And she gets it out and, and she hits play. And I'm like, hey, we, we can't do that. She goes, oh yeah, there's, there's ambient noise. There's people all around, nobody, it doesn't matter. Let's just watch this. This together on my phone and I looked at her I said Lord you are one of those people and I had no idea and now we are one of those couples and we are listening I, I couldn't do it I was like turn it off I got I gotta have headphones for that uh, I remember once I was on a plane and um, this father got on the plane with his two little girls and then a little boy. The little boy was a toddler. I mean, he wasn't very old at all. Old enough to walk, but that was about it, right? Talk was it. And uh, he gets on the plane, and he and his daughter sit, you know, in the three seats on one kind of row. He's on the end, on the aisle, and uh, he sits his son next to me, of all people. I'm in the middle seat, which, why does this always happen to me? I'm in the middle seat, and he sits his son on the aisle right across from him right there, and he looks at me. He kind of gives me a look and a wink, and I didn't know at the time he was going, he's all yours, bro. No lie. We had like a four-hour flight ahead of us. And on this flight, the kid looks up at me and he goes, let's play. I'm like, you got to be, I love kids, right? But I I don't know that I love them that much. You know, I'm like, you want to, so like we're coloring in his little color book and we're playing games on iPads and I'm getting extra snacks for him and apple juice and whatever he wants, right? And at one point I look over, I'm like, where is dad? What the heck is going on? And dad is crashed out taking a nap. I'm like, 
People crack me up, but that just stresses me out. I can't believe it. When I would get on a plane with my kids when they were little, I was totally worried all the time about everybody around me. You know, I was worried about my son kicking the seat in front of him. I was worried about all the movement. You know, people just, they don't, they don't care. They don't care. Now, babies, babies on planes, come on. I mean, I love babies. I know you love babies. Babies are awesome, right? But you see that baby come on that plane with the family, and you know you're just like me. Please, Jesus, no, don't let them sit anywhere near me. Like, at least a four-row circumference here, not around me. I got work I got to do on this flight. And then there's personal hygiene, you know, when, it, when, when we come to travel. We, let's just, to be gracious, we could say we have different cons- concepts of what personal hygiene involves. <laughs> And I mean, I've seen it all, man. I've seen the guy with, you know, like really overgrown toenails and all kinds of uck on his feet, take his socks off, kick his feet up on the plane. I'm like, really, bro? No, put him down. I sat next to a guy once. He smelled so bad that I was tempted to just look over and go, I got some deodorant in my carry-on bag right here, man, and I would love to give that to you if you'd like. I never got the courage to do it, but the whole time I was just thinking about Anyway, travel is a stress trigger point for me, and we all have our, like, trigger points. You have, you have yours. Maybe, maybe yours is work, right? Maybe when people are rude, that becomes a huge trigger point for you. Maybe when, when people, uh, you know, cut you off in traffic, it becomes this huge stress point for you. Uh, maybe financially, there's a lot of stress going on right now, and just finances in general. There's not enough money coming in for all the money that has to go out, and it's just an incredible point of stress for you. And so we want to be simply blessed, but we find ourselves simply stressed. I mean, Valentine's Day just happened. And, you know, for some of you, you're single or for some of you, you're married and Valentine's Day rolls around and you're like, oh, this again. Every time you call home, you know, they're like, well, are you seeing somebody? You're like, yeah, I'm seeing a therapist because you guys are stressing me out. Right. Just everybody give it a rest. But it becomes a stress point in our lives. And so we go from simply blessed to being simply stressed. We go from a blessed heart to a stressed heart. And then if we're not careful, we can slide even further to a hard heart. And a hard heart is where we start to get cynical. It's where we start to get uh, really focused on what we don't have rather than on what we have. A hard heart is no longer open to God in the ways that it was and to what God has been doing in one's life. And a hard heart is a real temptation of a stressed heart, right? You can get there. I can get there in my own life and start to get cynical and jaded and angry and lose perspective. And so I want to talk to you today about counting your blessings, about counting your blessings. And I would just suggest this, that if you count your blessings, your blessings will begin to count. If you count your blessings, your blessings will begin to count. And they'll take a whole new significance in your life and in mine, and it will change the direction of the the tendency 
of our heart. And to do that, I want to look at this great story in the New Testament, Luke chapter 17. And so if you want to turn there in your Bibles, we'll bring this up on the screens. The way we do this at Central, I'll read it uh, here together with you when we get to the red word. Uh, help me out, read it out loud here with me. But Luke chapter 17, beginning in verse 11, says, as Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, 10 men with leprosy stood at a distance crying out, Jesus, Master, have what? Mercy on us. Have mercy on us. Now, first of all, these individuals had leprosy, which leprosy in the ancient world was a horrible, a horrible disease. I mean, it's a, it'd be a horrible disease anyway, but especially then, it had a spiritual connotation to it. It was the priest who declared you not just sick if you had leprosy, but unclean. You were unclean. One of the first things that would happen is you would be um, exiled from the city because it was very contagious. And so you would live in a community of other lepers outside of the city walls. And if you ever were to walk in the city, you were supposed to keep a distance of, of uh, so many feet from other people. And you're supposed to walk along with uh, torn clothes on and, you know, with cloth covering your mouth. And you're supposed to say again and again, announce, unclean unclean, unclean, so that people knew like, hey, I'm, you, know, you, you don't want to get what I've got. Watch out. And this was the, the kind of environment these individuals had lived in, and they hear Jesus is coming to town, and they do something pretty courageous. They call out to him, and they say, Lord, have mercy on us. You ever just been in a place in your life where you're like, God, just mercy? You know, I remember when we, we used to call it uncle when I was a kid growing up. Somebody grab your arm, twist it behind you, say uncle, say uncle, you know, and your arm's getting twisted off. I won't do it, you know. You're trying to get somebody to break, right? Trying to get them to that place. But inevitably, you always get them there, right? Where uncle, uncle, uncle. I think there's a, sometimes in life when we go through so much stuff, and I think these lepers would fit that description. That They went from a blessed heart to probably a stressed heart, maybe even a hard heart to a shattered heart. And they had heard Jesus, no doubt they had heard Jesus had healed individuals. And they see him coming into the city, and they're like, mercy, God, have just have mercy. I can't take it anymore. I've lost my family. I've lost my friendships. Lepers in the ancient world, um, they would lose the ability to feel uh, with their hands and feet. And what's interesting is when you lose the ability to feel, apparently, you can no longer gauge how much pressure you're putting on something. So it would be typical for a leper to walk up to a door, turn a doorknob, and just take their whole finger off because they wouldn't be aware of how hard they're grabbing the doorknob or what's even happening. So a lot of them didn't have fingers, a lot of them didn't have toes because of all this stuff that had gone on in their life. So Jesus comes in, they cry out for mercy. First thing I see in the lepers is simply this, they seek God's blessing in their lives. They seek God's blessing in their lives. I saw this magazine article just in honor of Valentine's Day. I thought it was um, pretty funny. It was from 1958, uh, a McCall's magazine article, and the headline was 129 Ways to Get a Husband. So in honor of Valentine's Day, I thought I'll share some of the most horrible dating advice that I have ever seen in my life. But check this out. These are actually what they printed back in 1958. Uh, number six was read the obituaries 
to find eligible widowers. Wow, number 17, be friendly to ugly men. Handsome is as handsome does. There you go, ladies. All right, let's go. Uh, number 24, don't be afraid to associate with more attractive girls. They may have some leftovers. <laughs> All right, number 110, point out to him that the death rate of single men is twice that of married men. 129 ways to get a husband, and you shouldn't do any of those. You know, the best dating advice I ever got when I was single is a guy came to me in the church community and he said, Judd, he said, you know, stop searching to find the one and just focus on serving and being the one for somebody else, being kind to somebody else, being a point of hope for somebody else. And if you serve and seek God, he said, eventually you'll get in a community of people serving and then you'll look around and he goes, you know, that's kind of your dating pool. Eventually you're just serving and then all of a sudden you look over and somebody's standing next to you and you're like, hey, we're doing this together. But the whole principle was seek God and seek his blessing first and primarily, and everything else will flow out of that. And that was great advice for me. I think it's great advice for all of us. Here's what we see in Luke chapter 17. Let's look at verse uh, 14. Here's the lepers that call out uh, for mercy. And look at what happens. It says, he, Jesus, looked at them and said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they what? went, notice that, as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. So they were healed, but Jesus didn't just heal them in the moment, which I think is kind of interesting. You know, Jesus could have just looked out and been like, you know, boom, be healed, and now go show yourself to the priest. No, instead, it was as they went. So Jesus does the miracle only after they take the risk of faith and step out and begin the journey to go see the priest. Now, the reason that's significant is because of what I've already mentioned, that the priest is the one who announced people as unclean. They were trained to spot leprosy, and the priest was also the one who would reinstate them to be back into society. So Jesus says, go show yourself to the priest. He's saying, go basically show yourself to the one who can reinstate you back to society. But in many ways, he's also saying, go show yourself to the one who declared you unclean to begin with. Go show yourself to the one who opened up and introduced so much pain to you in your life. Go back to this place that you really don't want to go back to. And they were to get up and go even when they still had leprosy. Can you imagine how hard that would be? They're like, well, I don't understand. I'm going to get there. You know, am I going to be healed? You know, but as they went along, it says they were healed of the leprosy. Sometimes we're waiting on a miracle, right? Sometimes we're waiting for God to do something in our lives. But maybe the miracle is waiting on you. Maybe the miracle begins to happen when you start to activate your faith and just take the next step that God has for you in your life. And by taking that step, it leads to another step. It leads to another step. Jesus tells the lepers, go act like you're healed. Right? Go, go show yourself to the priest. And as they went along, 
they received their healing in their life. So I don't know what you're praying for from a miracle standpoint in your life. Some of you may be praying that God will do a miracle in your financial situation, in your financial life. And I believe that he can and I hope that he will. But until he does, be faithful with what he's given you. Be generous to the church and to others. Leverage the resources God has given you. Show through your actions and your gratitude that you're ready for a greater blessing in your life. As you go along, the miracle could happen. You may be waiting on the miracle, the miracle may be waiting on you. Maybe you've been praying, God, bring the right guy or the right girl into my life and it would be a miracle. Just allow it to happen. And again, maybe the shift is while you pray that prayer, you begin to focus on being the right guy or the right girl in your own life so that when that person comes along, they'll recognize qualities and characteristics in you that they'll find special and attractive. And so you begin to do what you can do, focusing on stepping out in faith in your life today. And you begin to prepare yourself as you move along for the miracle that God has for you later. And so here's these lepers, and God, they're going along on the way, and God does this incredible work in their life, and he heals them. It's amazing. It's incredible. They're restored. I mean, they get to go back and see their families again. They get to see their friends again. They get to, you know, uh, celebrate, hold their kids again. Many of them haven't touched another human being in months or years or decades. They get to touch people again because they've been declared clean by the priest. That stigma of sin and disease and failure is finally gone. And you would think, man, all of those people, after they're healed, they would all run back to Jesus, tell him the story and thank him. But as we're gonna see, that's not what happened at all. The first thing they did was they sought God's blessing. Seek God's blessing in your life. Here's another one, count your blessings. Just count your blessings and uh, you know, give thanks for all that God has brought into your life. I saw this uh, interesting uh, slide. I thought it, was, thought, thought it was funny, we'll bring it up here on the screen. It says, I'm gonna retire and live off my savings. <laughs> What I'll do on the second day, I have no idea. Anybody relate to that? That's real right there. But we live in a culture that's always challenging us to have more, to get more, that we need more in our lives. And so I've got a treasure chest up here. And uh, this treasure chest, it just represents the blessings that God has given me in my life. You have your sort of symbolic blessing box, if you will. I have my blessing box. It could be family, friends, relationships, you know, uh, all the different ways that God blesses us in our lives. And often instead of counting the blessings in my blessing box, if you will, I get tempted to compare my box with other people's box. You know what I'm saying? Even though I can't really see in their box, I'm like, that's a big box over there. You look on social media, man, you see, I don't know, you see somebody's wedding pictures, you're like, look at that wedding. You know, and rather than celebrate what happened in their life, you think, man, why couldn't I have had a wedding like that? We just got married at the Little White Wedding Chapel. It wasn't that big a deal. Right, you see, uh, you know, posts of vacations. Look at that vacation they're on. Wow, you know, why, why can't we go on a vacation like that? Must be nice, must be nice. 
And what happens is we start to compare our box with every other, everybody else's blessing box, and we're not counting our blessings, we're comparing our blessings. And when you start comparing your blessings, here's what I've learned for me personally in my own life. The more I compare, the more I despair. It never goes somewhere healthy. It always, listen, the more you complain, the unhappier you become. And so I need to start looking into my blessing box, into what God has given me. I need to focus on my heart and my life and be focused on what God has done in my life. Because when you compare to others, a couple things happen. One thing that happens is when you look at other people's blessings, the temptation is to be kind of envious or jealous of their blessing, but not realize or think about their burden. Because every blessing comes with a weight. Every blessing comes with a burden. You gotta carry that blessing box. So you get a great job, awesome, pays well, great. Comes with a burden of producing, burden of work. You get in a relationship with somebody and you know, you're thankful and it's awesome, but it comes with the burden of being with them in the good times and the bad, and the good days and the bad days and the difficult days. You have kids, what an incredible blessing. <laughs> what a heavy <laughs> blessing they can be, right? And I used to think when they were little, oh, you know, they're gonna grow up and then, you know, they're gonna move on and we're gonna be happy again. But that's not true because they grow up and you just pray for them even more and worry about them even more and think about all the things you can't control even more. There's a, it's a blessing, right? But there's a weight to it. Some of you, you're praying that God will bless you financially in your life, but make no mistake about it. The more God gives you, the more you're responsible to steward. There's a weight. And often when we start comparing our box to other people's boxes, we don't remember the burden that comes with the blessing. Or on the flip side, in our own lives, we focus more on our burden than on the blessing. For instance, every time you walk by your teenager's room or your kid's room and it looks like a nuclear bomb went off, you know, World War III is going on in there. And you're like, oh my gosh, but hey, that's the burden. The blessing is that they're home. And they're there because one day you're going to walk past that room and it's going to be empty. And you and I are both going to be like, man, I wish had some dirty socks on the floor right now. <laughs> loads and loads and loads of laundry. Because we're going to miss that. It's the burden and the blessing. I mean, he may drive you crazy right now because he, he never, you know, the boxers never make it in the hamper. The hamper is just, it's right there. It's so dang simple. Any idiot ought to be able to walk over and drop them in. You even took the lid off so it just sits open, you know, like it's just right there. And he chucks them and misses by about two inches every time and they just sort of stack up over in the corner. Listen, when you got married, guys, you, you, you got a house or an apartment and you moved in and you saw the bathroom and you thought you were going to have a piece of that bathroom, <laughs> right? But now it's like 99.9% .9 makeup explosion all over the counter and it's hot stuff, burns your hands. I don't even know what all these things are, curling irons and straighteners. And all that can get frustrating if you just focus on the burden, right? But the blessing is you're still together. 
The blessing is you're, you're still doing life together and it's, it's nice to be with somebody that you love and the truth is we're all on borrowed time. None of us know how much time we have. And we gotta pause to remember the blessing of what God has given us in that moment. Count your blessings. I've been trying to do it in 2019 on the regular. I've been trying to stop on a regular basis and just go down the list of all the things that I'm grateful for. God has given us a secret weapon, a key, if you will, to help us open up the blessing box and experience even more of what God has for us in our lives. And that key is gratitude. Gratitude is the key. It opens the box. It opens our hearts. Gratitude positions you for even more blessing in your life. You know, you're praying for God to do more in your life. You want him to do more in your life. Show gratitude for what he's already done. Gratitude gets your heart ready, my heart ready for the next thing God wants to do. Maybe God hasn't blessed you with what you're praying for because you're not ready currently to carry the burden of what that blessing will bring with it. Because the truth is, sometimes we don't really know what we're praying for. We think we do, but we don't know what that really means, right? But maybe, just maybe, if we'll be grateful for all that God's done in our life, that is a big part of what could prepare our heart for the future blessing God has for us. Let's look at this. Luke chapter 17. Let's go back to the story. You would think all these people are healed of leprosy. They're all going to come back and find Jesus. They're all going to thank him and tell him how, uh, how incredible this is. But look what it says. One of them. What? One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus. Only one. And it says, he came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. And he fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, what? Thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Now, in the original context where this the original audience that would have heard this, a Samaritan by Jewish standards would have been, been seen as kind of an ethnic half-breed, if you will. They were sort of looked down on. Samaria was a neighboring area, and it was sort of like they were despised as people, but it was the Samaritan who came back and said, thank you. And Jesus asked, didn't I heal 10 men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And it says, and Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. You can sense his disappointment. You can sense his frustration. Did I not heal 10 men? But only one came back and said, thank you. I don't know about you, but what I want for me in my own life, what I want for my family, I want to be the one that comes back and says thank you. I want to be the one that is not afraid to get down on my knees and to acknowledge all that God has done for me in my life. When I cried out for mercy and God showed me mercy, even though I didn't deserve that mercy, when I needed rescue, God rescued me even when I didn't deserve that rescue. When I needed hope, God gave me hope, even though I didn't know where it was gonna come from. I wanna be the first to come back on my knees. God, thank you, praise you, I worship you. You're number one in my life. I'm grateful. 
God, if you don't bless me with anything else in my life, you've already blessed me with so much more than I could ask for or imagine with forgiveness and hope and eternal life and your spirit working and dwelling in my heart and in my life. God, I am blessed. I'm blessed. And this man comes back, he says, thank you. Friends, will you be one of those people that comes back and says thank you, that shows gratitude for all that God has done in your life? And in Jesus' story, it was the majority that didn't come back and say thank you. They took the blessing and they went about their busy life. Maybe they were just distracted. Maybe they didn't think about it. Maybe they were just so overwhelmed with joy, they wanted to go see their families again. Not trying to just beat them up. I don't know know the whole dynamic of the story, but I know Jesus was frustrated because they didn't come and give thanks. Be grateful. Count your blessings, and your blessings will start to count. And in our lives, there's a couple ways that we can say thank you to God. We can say it verbally through our prayers. We can just say, God, I thank you. I give you... Uh, praise for all that you've done, just as we saw this uh, person do. You can say it when you come to church through worship and singing. That's one of the reasons that that we sing. And and maybe you're not a big singer, but you can just sort of like chill out and look real cool. But in your heart, you're there, you know, like you're you're saying, yes, God, I I thank you. I give you you praise. I I give you gratitude in my life. That's why um, we're generous. You know, we bring our tithes and our offerings. It's a way that we say thank you. You know, we talked about being a generosity rock star. Uh, One of the statistics that I saw this last year was amazing to me. We saw 14,000 people, uh, just over 14,000 people last year at Central across our locations named Jesus the leader and the forgiver of their life, which is remarkable. We also have 1,400 people who took a step to become a generosity rock star in their life. And I just thought that was kind of uncanny. 1,400 equals 14,000. Those are people just like myself who've been rescued by the grace of God. And through our generosity, we can be rescuers. And that's one of the ways we could say thank you. So if you've never taken that step in your life, there's a card in the seat back in front of you or across our locations. There's a card that's available uh, under the seats there. You can grab it and it just tells you how to take the step of generosity, being a, a, a generosity rock star. And there's an envelope that you can use to put that in. It's just a way to facilitate you being generous back to God. It's one of the ways that we say thank you. We use our gifts. It's another way we say thank you. We use the talents and the strength he's given us and the health that he's given us. And we say thank you. I wanna be one of the people that says thank you and that remembers who Jesus is. You know, something that dawned on me this week, if you read through the Gospel of John, Gospel of John, was actually you know, written by John, and he never really refers to himself in the gospel as John, but he refers to himself in this way, the disciple who Jesus loved. That's what he calls himself. He was followed by the disciple who Jesus loved. And it just struck me, a lot of times we focus on our love for Jesus and our love for God and what we need to do to even say thank you to God and all of that. But it really all comes back to getting to a place where in our own hearts and lives, like John, we can say, you know what? I'm the guy that Jesus loves. 
I'm the girl that Jesus loves. I'm the person that Jesus loves. That's what makes, that's what my identity rests in. That's what gives me gratitude and fills me with hope. I'm somebody, you're somebody Jesus loves. You too are the disciple Jesus loves. It's an awesome thought. You don't have to earn it. It's not about how good you are to achieve it. It just is. And here's John as he writes this gospel. He's finally gotten to a place in spiritual maturity where he self-identifies, not as the one who loves Jesus. No, no, I'm the one Jesus loves. And when you realize Jesus loves you, it starts to change your self-perception, your God perception, everything else as you live your faith. So this week, be grateful. Gratitude is the key that unlocks the blessings that God has given us in our life. Count your blessings and you'll make your blessings count. And friends, through all of our lives, as we give thanks and praise to God, let's be the people that return to him again and again and again and say thank you. Maybe you're here today, maybe you've never crossed the line of faith. And I would just invite you to consider stepping out and trusting Christ in your heart and in your life and allowing him to move and work in your life through a simple act of faith. Maybe you're just at a place where like these individuals in this story, people are just saying, mercy, God, I just need your mercy. I need your help. And it's okay to cry out to God for help and for healing. And I believe you'll find that Jesus can do an awesome work in your life of forgiveness and restoration, that he would love to give you hope, that he would love to be the one that loves you. And he would love for you to know it. So if you'd all close your eyes and bow your heads, if you'd like to become a follower of Jesus, you can take that step in your life by just repeating a simple prayer after me. Just say, dear God, I thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus into the world. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose again. Forgive me for my sins. Give me the gift of eternal life. Help me face the challenges that I'm up against. God, I surrender my life to you. In Christ's name. Friends, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's your prayer today, if it's your commitment, I'm gonna ask you to just slip your hand in the air. Just to acknowledge that you're gonna follow God in your life today. You're reaching out to him. You need his healing, his power working in your life. Just slip your hand in the air. God, I thank you for your love and I thank you for each person just reaching out to you. I pray you'll show up in a powerful way in their heart and in their lives. Remind them of your purpose for them. Renew them and restore them. Fill us all with your energy and joy. And may we go forward this week and serve others and make a difference in their lives because of who you are. We thank you in Jesus' name, amen.